69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> and that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Backyard Football Podcast. Yes, that's what catorce means, Nick. Exactly. In Spanish. We are a multilingual uh, podcast. Just as, barely. Yes, um, but we'll find out more about that later. <laughs> uh, we are installing a new segment in our podcast today, so it should be a lot of fun later. It's um, going to be a great time. Yes, uh, so we're really going toward the international cultural division of the podcast here, leaning into it. Um all right, let's talk about some football, though, to start out here. Or not talk about some football. We have some cleaning up to do here. Yeah, so we've gotten a probably more of an audience response about this one thing than in any other aspect of either of our podcasts, which is fair enough. It is a pretty bad mistake. Um, you probably know what we're talking about already. The elephant in the room, Aliquippa. They are not. They have always been one A, but they play up to three A because they're just that good. Yep. So they are not going to move down. They are going to stay right where they're at. But it's all right because we don't really cover Aliquippa anyway, and we don't cover three A teams anyway. So, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of an offhanded comment from us last last episode. Yeah, it was just kind of surprising looking at the article. But again, we're not experts yet, so just bear with us here. Yes, we're getting there. Yeah, but we are almost experts, I say, in this interstate slash track county south. We're like we're we're pretty close, I think. About as good as you can get from yeah. the amount of time that we've spent looking at it. Yeah. All right, and then another thing, um, Coach Hansen Twitter messaged me about the West Green quarterback situation. Apparently, Nathan Ordorf has been the starter since the Clareton game, which is kind of interesting because I thought Gavin Scott played for the whole California game, but I was probably wrong. Or was it Clareton game after the California yeah, game? Yeah, Clareton was after California. Okay, okay. That so, makes more sense now. So we hadn't gone to a West Green game after California, and then we caught back up with them in the playoffs against Greensburg Central Catholic. I guess we just kind of missed that Nathan Warndorf was playing that whole game, or playing that first half. Yeah. So. Well, I think, did bad. both of them get playing time during that game? Well, I Nathan Warndorf played did. the whole second half, and I noticed that, but I kind of just assumed Gavin Scott was playing the first half. So, <laughs> I had to go back and look at the film on that one. <laughs> so, that was a bad mistake. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, let's move into news and avoid talking about that anymore. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't happen again for us. <laughs> I don't think we should have much of a problem. Yeah. All right. News time. So, um, we were talking last week about... Who's going to be the eighth team in the Whippule? Um, Whippule Interstate. Interstate. Yeah. yeah, the 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 Interstate Century. We were talking about maybe Beaver Falls coming down, um, but they're pretty far away. So we were kind of looking at, based on the reclassifications, who's going to bump down into the 2A in that Interstate spot? Um, who's going to balance out this division? Or if they would just play with seven teams, which would be kind of weird. Because then yeah. Beaver Falls would have to join in as a ninth team somewhere else. So that would that I don't think that would really work very well, but then we kind of got our answer today. Uh, breaking news this morning: um, Whippeal unanimously voted for Ligonier Valley to join in the Whippeal. 
Uh, they are a 2A team. They were in District 6, I believe, um, this season. Uh, and that's a big news for us because they are much closer than Beaver Falls and will yep. most likely be joining the Interstate Century Conference. And so you can look forward to having Ligonier Valley on the list of teams that we cover next year. Hopefully. I mean, I don't know what division they joined beside them. Um, they're kind of near Greensburg, Dairy area. So I think that would be a really fun team to cover. I think them playing Wash High would be a really fun matchup every year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, them playing McGuffey would be a lot of fun. So uh, they would definitely be up there as far as the teams we cover. I don't know if we'd ever drive to their stadium. Maybe if, like, Wash High had an away game there or something. Um, but I, I, they'd be a definitely a fun game to cover, um, especially if they played close. Yeah, and I think no matter what, they're definitely be more on our radar. So you can look forward to hearing a little bit more about Ligonier Valley or maybe a lot more next year. Yeah, it, it, it should be fun covering them. Speaking of Ligonier Valley, uh, huh. they did play a game um, this week in the 2A bracket, and we're just going to go over the bracket real quick here. Uh, Ligonier Valley was the second-ranked team in the state as far as our rankings go, um, just behind Southern Columbia, and uh, that didn't work out this weekend as they no, it did not. played Richland, and Richland just completely destroyed them. Uh, Brock was very happy about that win, and Richland looks like they're playing very, very good football. Uh, I talked to Riley Holsinger, who also went to Richland, and he said that um, he didn't like the win because he didn't, well, he's not really a Richland fan anymore or something like that. But beside that, um, he said that he didn't think Lincoln Valley was that good. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> they, are, they were ranked second in the state in 2A. So no matter how you slice it, that's a big win for Richland. For sure. Uh, and they ended up winning 34-6, to for those of you that care about the score, which you should. <laughs> um, so... But definitely a surprising win. Um, I mean, I don't think there would be a lot of people that are completely shocked that they won, but certainly the matter in which they won was pretty surprising. And um, now they are looking to play Bishop McDevitt in the next round. So that should be an interesting matchup. And we'll talk about that a little more later in the episode. Um, for now, we're going to go over the games from last week. Yeah, so uh, speaking of Bishop McDevitt, they beat Dunmore 28-13. Um, just a little tidbit on Bishop McDevitt. They are currently seven and six, so they were below five hundred when they made the playoffs. Which there's not a lot of two A teams in District Eleven and Twelve. Um, and then they ended up winning their first round game. They beat they beat West Catholic in their second round game by one point nine to eight. That's and, a beautiful uh, score. Yeah, and now they're in the top eight. So uh, I don't think Bishop McDevitt is a huge like it's huge competition between them and Richland, so I, I think Richland-Southern Columbia would be a great matchup. It, well, <laughs> better, Maybe. better than the other matchup possibility. Yeah. <laughs> so, and speaking of Southern Columbia, they beat Mount Carmel 49 nothing. so... No surprise there. Yeah. Ma Southern Columbia has not a lot of point yet in the playoffs, which is hilarious. That is very impressive. And considering that Mount Carmel is the 10th-ranked team in the state in 2A... That just tells you how much of a deficiency there is between between Southern Columbia and everyone else. Upper Dauphin got a bye week, so they didn't play. They'll play Southern Columbia on Friday. Wilmington, Chestnut Ridge. Um, Wilmington was kind of the underdog in this game who went into it. And Chestnut Ridge was a higher seed, but um, 
Wilmington was probably the favorite, I'm going to say, but um, Chestnut Ridge almost came back and won it. They ended up losing 34-20. It was Wilmington blowout early on, and then Chestnut Ridge kind of battled back a little bit, but Wilmington ended up pulling it out, uh, and they'll move on to the next round. Yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup with Ridgeway. Um, Ridgeway pulled the upset as well. Yeah. um, Ridgeway won 56-35 against Claritin. Clarion, excuse me. Um, a little surprise there. Um, I definitely wouldn't have picked that. And I think Wilmington might have a better matchup this week than they might have been expecting. Yeah. You, you never know. I think Ridgeway and Clarion are both not as good as Chestnut Ridge. So I think Wilmington has a has an easier win here coming up to go into the semifinals. So uh, that's our district um, or 2A Bracket review. Recap? <laughs> Bracket um, recap. Except for the big one. Except uh, for the big one. The one that we were at. Um, Washington versus Brentwood. So we traveled um, all the way out to see this game. Um, it was an exciting matchup. It was pretty darn cold. But it was fun. Maybe a little closer than we would have imagined. Uh, this was a battle from the start to finish. So... Uh, one of the things that Nathan and I were talking about a lot throughout this game is how much this felt like Wash High McGuffey. Now, the final score was 20-14, to 14, so Washington allowed the same amount of points. They didn't quite score as many, but it felt a lot like that game. Do you want to explain why? At least going three quarters in, it felt identical. Oh, absolutely. And the fourth quarter was just crazy. Um, so the game started out, uh, Wash High scored on their opening drive, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, going down the field and scoring with Zach Swartz up the middle. Uh, went up 7 nothing. Then they forced a quick punt. They got the ball back. They went down and scored again. 14 nothing. And then it kind of wash out. Both teams kind of hit a wall. Brentwood made some defensive adjustments and were able to force maybe like force a lot of punts. Yeah. Their second quarter, there were a lot of punts. Um, Zach Swartz had a really nice punt. Both quarterbacks were very good punters. Um, I will say, um, the quarterback for for Brentwood... Milsich, yeah. Yes, Milsich. He definitely had a nicer punt, but he wasn't getting the good bounces that Zach Schwartz was getting. But both of them were hitting 50-plus yard punts, which is ridiculous for high school, especially because both of them are quarterbacks first. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. Um, and then the game kind of started to turn around, didn't it? Yeah, third quarter, um, Washai has not been great in the third quarter uh, against teams that that they're un- that like they're not overmatching. Yeah. So like against like competitive teams, like I know I know a second half against Charleroi, they really blew the Cougars out of the water. But just about every other game, like against McGuffey and uh, the game against McGuffey, like they came out of the locker room and McGuffey scored two touchdowns. They woke up and then they came back and shut the door on them. Yeah. This game was, looked a lot like that. Um, coming out of the locker room, Ben, bleh. Brentwood, <laughs> I was about to say Bentworth. <laughs> Brent, Brentwood uh, scored two quick touchdowns. Um, then Wash I fumbled and then that was kind of like, Oh, now we're not in the McGuffey game anymore because Washai had a big fumble. Brentwood got the ball um, on the Washai forty, 
right after they scored two quick touchdowns and it was tied. And yeah. they looked really, really strenuous there for the Praxis. And then uh, the Praxis were able to pull it out, come out, coming up with like three big defensive stops. The yep. offense finally caught up in the last drive. They they had like 11 straight rushes on their final drive. And then a fourth, fourth down pass to Caleb Jackson um, to convert. And then a run for Zamir Robinson on third and goal to score. Yeah, they, they were handing the ball off to Zamir Robinson over and over and over on the last drive. And I think that was very indicative because, you know, like Nathan said, after the first quarter, Brentwood's defense was totally shutting down Washington. And Washington was trying to get stuff going outside. You know, they were running jet sweeps. They were running... Zach Schwartz had a lot of rushes where he was scrambling around. And... Brentwood was just too fast. You know, they could not get the edge on Brentwood. And eventually Washington realized on that last drive where they scored their last six points, we're just going to run the ball right up the middle and they're not going to be able to stop us. And that's what ended up happening because we talked about on the last show how Brentwood is a very undersized team. And we could see that, you know, even in warmups, that Brentwood looked completely overmatched in the trenches. Um, and they just handed... And the interesting thing, they were giving the ball to Zamir Robinson, you know, which surprised me a little bit um, since he's not necessarily. They were determined their not power to throw back. the ball. Yeah. But they they ran run after run after run with Zamir Robinson right up the middle, every single time. Yeah, I don't know if it was Bosnick having trust issues with Zach Swartz because um, early fourth quarter. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Patterson had a huge interception, and on the very next play, Zach Swartz just kind of lofted one up to the sideline, and there was, like, no wash-high receivers in the vicinity, and it was an inter- uh, back-to-back interceptions. Brentwood got the ball back with great field position, and wash-high's defense came up big again, but I think with that interception kind of led wash-high to kind of um, abandon their passing game a little bit, and they were kind of airing it out up until then, uh, and then they started just rushing Zamir Robinson down the middle, and it I worked. Yeah, it worked, but I, I don't know if it would have worked better if they went to a more. It's probably not a sustainable game plan. No, it's not, um, and especially against a team like Gaffinworth. But yeah, we'll be talking about that soon. Um, switching over to the defense, uh, were you impressed or unimpressed with the Wash High D? Because I think. There were moments in this game where they were not impressive, but many, many moments of the game where they came up with big stops. The Milcic was running for his life most of the night. Yeah. Um, well, I think overall, yes. I mean, first of all, you have to look at what I talked about earlier is the side issue. Um, by the second half, Milcic did not stand in the pocket at all. He He did not wait for pressure to come. As soon as he took the ball, he was wheeling out to the left or the right. He was scrambling immediately because Brentwood just doesn't have the size on the offensive line to protect him. And I will say, Milsic was fantastic on the run. I mean, he was... He scrambled for a lot of yards. And like, not only that, but he was accurate in his passing. And I think Milsic really... He made a big difference in that game. And I think against the vast majority of quarterbacks in 2A... Um, you would not have been able to see that kind of performance. I was really impressed with Milsic. And not to mention um, just some really, really nice plays by the athletes of Brentwood in general. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I mean, Washai defense is going to play good, I think, against any team in 2A. Uh, it just depends on how their offense performs. And in this one, their offense was just to switch back over the offense. The offense, again, we said it was pretty lackluster aside from the first two drives. And the first two drives, especially the first one, they took about like six minutes off the clock, the first one. And the second one, probably more, I just think as many. was like nine. It was, it was crazy the how the first two drives kind of defined the early parts of the that game and then they just kind of abandoned their game plan a little bit or either Brentwood tightened up or something and they just weren't running the clock anymore um I think they had a couple three and outs and that's kind of what did it but in the third quarter they were chucking it everywhere and it just and in a low scoring game like that I I kind of doubt the efficiency of doing that well and they were they were trying to throw the ball more than they actually ended up because Zach Schwartz was scrambling a lot in this game and there weren't a lot of sacks. And actually, one very uh, distinct stat for this game is that Brentwood did not allow a sack until the middle of the fourth quarter. Despite the fact that um, that the quarterback for Brentwood was running all over the place. You know, he, he was really, like we talked about, you know, having to scramble pretty much immediately... He was very smart with the ball, and he didn't get sacked until the fourth quarter. And Zach Schwartz was kind of doing the same thing, you know, and we see him scramble a lot in every game. That's just kind of the quarterback that he is. Um, But he was doing a pretty good job of running around back there, too. And I think there were a lot of plays where they were called, like they were, what I'm trying to say is they were calling a lot more pass plays than you might have imagined because a lot of them, he didn't end up having anything downfield. The Brentwood secondary played pretty darn well overall and he just tuck um but yeah it was definitely a good performance from i i mean milsich is a really good quarterback and we said that last week uh he has a lot of good weapons as well and we got to see a couple of those but um down the middle of the secondary i think the defense really shined for washi uh, Zamir Robinson and Caleb Jackson, especially in the secondary, played really well. Brandon Patterson is a very good safety. He, no one ever throws at him, though, so he doesn't really get to um, show that. But he's, again, their secondary is really strong. Um, their defense is really strong. Isaiah Edwards in the middle um, didn't have his, there wasn't as much of a downhill threat from Brentwood, um, but he played well. Um, so it. For the defense, it's good to maintain that momentum, but the offense really has to pick it up for them. Maybe that last draft kind of turns it around for them heading into the Avonworth game. But at the same time, you know, like, they were efficient on the last drive for sure. But just looking at the stats here, you had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 rushes and 2 passes in the fourth quarter. And almost all of those, in fact, all but one, were runs that were right down the middle to Zamir Robinson. And Zamir Robinson, you know, he's a great athlete. He's not the best downhill rusher, I'd say. And when you start playing stronger defensive lines, I mean, yes, that works against Brentwood. You know, it plays right into their weakness. But They're not going to be able to do that at all this week. Against Avonworth, yeah. No, not at all. And the fact that, so out of those two passes that they threw in the fourth quarter... Um, one was an interception, which is what Nathan referenced earlier, and the second one was on fourth and seven. So they were only throwing the ball when they absolutely had to after that interception. Everything after that was a run, and 
that might have won them the game this week, but they're going to have to figure some things out. Especially in the rushing game. You can't you can't rush with Zemir Robinson against Avonworth because you need him on the outside. Yeah. So let's transition into the Avonworth preview here. Um, Actually. Wa- or do quick. you have something more I, to say? I, I have two points I want to make to okay. finish off. First of all, Aiden Wardzinski is pretty amazing. Is he an absolute hombre? He is a hombre. Okay. This is a new term we're coming up with. Like, Again, we're huge fans of the Solid Verbal, and they have the dude alert. So just to increase our international diversity and mindfulness, uh, we are going <laughs> to... Hombre alert? Hombre alert? I don't know. The home, yeah. The hombre light? I don't know. I'd say we're going we're gonna to give this to perhaps the most surprising or enlightening um, <laughs> performance of the game. So, like, yes, you know, Zamir Robinson played great. We expect that. You yeah, know, Zach yeah, Schwartz I think played Caleb great. Jackson, we expect that. Caleb Jackson could definitely be an ombre alert because early in the year, you know, he was not getting a ton of snaps, and now he's yeah. basically their second-best weapon out there besides Zamir Robinson. And Zamir Robinson is going to absorb most of that good coverage. Yeah. So it's nice to have Caleb Jackson out there making plays. For sure. So I'd, I'd give it to Caleb Jackson, but I see what you're saying about Aiden Wardzinski. He was making some crazy plays, and I'll tell you, he is a lot faster than you think. I mean, there were so many times in this game where, you know, he would just break break loose down the middle and Washington players would have the angle on him. They wouldn't be able to catch him. And, in fact, um, let's see, how long was that one run? That He had some ridiculous spin it was a sc- move, it was a broken screen tackle pass. screen. It was a 70-yard screen pass, I believe, that um, on the first, first drive after, no, their second drive. Of the third quarter, but that definitely gave them, uh, basically gave them a touchdown because he almost scored on that play. Um, yeah, he's, it was seventy-two yard screen, and it he got hit early and he broke tackles and then sped down the sideline and that was their biggest play of the game. So my my homebrew award goes to Aiden Wardzinski, although Caleb Jackson absolutely had a great game for himself too. And like I said, we expect these things from the Zach Schwartzes and the Zamir Robinsons of the world. This is about the people that maybe have a little less recognition. And to be fair, I'm sure to all the Brentwood fans, Aiden Wardzinski would fall into the same category as as Zamir Robinson. And, you know, like, it's not like he's a, a second stringer or something that came in and played really well. It's just that we haven't gotten the opportunity to see him play. And I was very impressed with my yeah. first... Another homebrew that I think uh, needs some recognition was Chase Mitchell, uh, yeah, down on the D line. Sure. He was in the backfield all night. He didn't get a, a. I don't think he only had like one sack or something like that. But he was. He played a really great game. He's been, again, he's a Liberty commit, but he doesn't really stand stand out to you on tape or when you're standing on the sidelines because he gets a lot of push and he's usually playing up against the best offensive linemen. Um, usually it's like he's getting a lot of pressure and then Zakai Marshall kind of breaks, breaks off. Um, but I think he, I think he played a really great game, uh, and it's great to see him kind of come into his own here, um, before he goes to Liberty. So, and, uh, just, I, I feel obligated to talk about this with this game because as someone that was keeping the stats, this is probably the most shocking and interesting stat of the game. And to anyone that saw the game, I'm sure you're familiar with the amount of penalties that Washington had was frankly they have, ridiculous. They, they have to fix this. Like it, the sec- in the playoffs, this is not good. The amount of false starts and like 
and delay of games. And it's just ridiculous. The, the f- whole first drive for Brentwood that led to their first touchdown, it was extended by a face mask penalty, then was extended by a roughing the passer penalty. Um, if they're if they're going to beat Avonworth, they have to be really, really clean because Avonworth is going to be really, really clean Yeah. in the penalty game. So altogether, um, Washington had 20 penalties, although two of them were um, rejected by Brentwood. Two of them were not were not accepted um, for a total of 125 yards. I mean, that's a good day for a running back that Washington just gave up, you know? Um, and probably the most notable out of all of these was um, in the fourth quarter, after they scored their last touchdown to go up 20-14, to 14, they were going for two. You know, their kicker hasn't had the best season. Um, we've seen him have a couple kicks blocked, a couple missed field goals. He missed an extra point yeah. in that game. Yeah. And it wasn't just a bad miss. Like, he didn't even make it to the posts. Yeah, it, it was, was not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so they send out their, their PAT, or, yeah, they send out their um, extra point unit to try to score two. And this, this could be big because... Brentwood has a decent kicker. They've been going for one point the whole game. Um, you know, there's only like a minute 30 left. If they score two here, this could put a lot more pressure on Brentwood. And they get a false start. And they move back. So now they're from the seven instead of the f- two. And then they get another false start. And they move back. And now they're from the 12 and not the seven. And they're still not going to kick the PAT. They... Because they can't make it from exactly, there. and so now they 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 try to run this play again, and they have a delay of game, and they get bumped back another five yards, and so now they've been penalized fifteen yards on one extra point attempt, and they now have to try from the seventeen yard line, and you can imagine how that how well that went, and that's why the game ended twenty to fourteen instead of twenty one or twenty two to fourteen, and that is just. I mean, having three pre-snap penalties on one play, three in a row, that is ridiculous. And, I mean, you could tell the Washington fans were blaming the refs. Um, it's kind of hard to blame the refs on a false start. Yeah. It, so. It's just, you know, there were some questionable calls, but all in all, no matter where you st- fall on that, you have to agree that Washington played an extremely sloppy game. And like Nathan said, when they pl- go up against Avonworth next week, Avonworth is a clean team. They're not going to catch a lot of penalties. And that's going to really, really hurt their chances. I mean, there's absolutely no way they can take 20 penalties next week and win. There's just no way. As far as special teams goes, Avonworth probably has a kicker. I haven't really scouted their kicking game at all. But, Washai, you got to start playing Zach Swartz at at kicker. Maybe not on kickoffs, but... PATs you have to cuz you're you're limiting your you're limiting your defense when you don't get two point conversions or when you don't get extra points um I mean can he kick? I mean he kicked the extra point against McGuffey late in the game, yeah. I mean I know he can punt. I mean he can punt. I, even if he hasn't kicked, like it's worth a shot cuz it's yeah. better than what they got right now. So, um that'll wrap up our review here, I believe. Yeah, and we're just gonna keep talking about Washington and jump fully into the next to Avonworth game. Um, go into a little more detail than we have so far. So, on the scale of John F. Kennedy to Teddy Roosevelt, how excited are you for this game? 
I'm not sure where how that scale works, but it goes dead to extremely ecstatic. That's rough. I mean, to be fair, both of them are dead, but in any case, I mean, this is the biggest matchup of the year that we've seen. This is huge. These are two great teams, the number one, the number two seed. Um, you can argue, I mean, I would argue that Avonworth is definitely playing better than Washington right now. I would argue that Avonworth is probably, okay, definitely the, um, after last week, the favorite in this game. But it is going to be a fantastic matchup no matter what. These are some of the best athletes in Pennsylvania. It's yeah. going to be good. Looking at the ro- the rankings here, Max Prep has Wash High at 6 and Avonworth at 4. And then the Pennsylvania Football News rankings has Avonworth at 6, I believe. Has Avonworth at 6 and Wa- Washington at 3. So these are two pretty even teams. Uh, we've been looking forward to this matchup if it happened just about all year. Uh, Avonworth schedule again. Um, they beat Nishanik week one. They beat Steel Valley. They shut out Steel Valley. They beat New Brighton, who's a playoff team. They beat Apollo Ridge, who's a playoff team, and that game wasn't even close. Uh, they beat Summit Academy by way less than Wash High beat them, so I'm a little confused at that one. But um, They beat East Allegheny 35-7. They beat McGuffey 34-20. They beat Shadyside 35-7. They blew out South Moreland in what was kind of their statement game um, at home in the playoffs. They beat New Brighton again, uh, and then Riverside last week. So, M- Avonworth has been red hot all year long. Um, yeah, and we're just going to dive right into analyzing some of their top players here. So, let's familiarize our audience with the studs of Avonworth, if you're not um, cl- familiar with <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Overall thoughts here on the roster. Uh, the quarterback, Park Penrod, is good. Um, the Avonworth fans aren't going to like what I have to say next. I don't think he's really good. I think he's good. He's definitely aided by really good run blocking, really good pass blocking. Um, the receivers are some of the best blocking receivers I've ever seen in high school. And I don't, usu- I don't usually see that much of a difference, but in the Riverside game, it was really, really obvious yeah. that their receivers were... It's it's like an NCAA... If you play NCAA Football 14, it's like that, where it's like, <laughs> the rece- like they're literally like stuck on the cornerbacks when they're blocking. It's yeah. really impressive how, how well-coached their receivers are um, and their running back blocking is. Defensively, they're one of the scariest football teams I've ever seen. Uh, their linebacking core is probably three deep as far as who could start. Their defensive backs, they probably got seven or eight guys at back there that could play. Um, defensive line is a little bit shakier, maybe. Uh, def- they're going to create pressure. They're really good, but it, they're probably not as deep or as strong as their secondary or linebackers are. It's not the strength of their defense. No, it's not, but you don't really need it to be. Exactly. So... I mean, they've got they've got all kinds of athletes. Um, not a lot of weaknesses, like we said. Um, Park is not the most accurate quarterback. You know, he misses some throws that maybe he shouldn't. But he's got a Division One wide receiver and a Division One AA wide receiver there back to make up for it. So exactly, and <laughs> and he also has, as you said, a great running game. I mean, a really great running game and yeah. great blocking. So 
you don't, he doesn't have to be elite. He can be good and he is good, you know, and that, that's good enough to get them pretty much as far as everyone else will play. Yeah. Uh, rushing statistics, Jax Miller has almost 2,000 yards in the year. He's averaging 159 yards a game on the ground. That's impressive. 24 oh, yeah. touchdowns, 9 100-plus yard runs. Or no, 9 100-plus yard games. I always get that stat mixed up. He has a long rush of 70 yards, which he got last game, I believe. And that he actually lined up at quarterback for that run. So I don't know if they're... They use a lot of Wildcat stuff in their formations, but there were two separate plays in that game that were highlights that he lined up at quarterback and either handed the ball off or ran. So they definitely like to put Jax Miller in the backfield sometimes. Um, They got a good um, sophomore running back that's kind of complimentary in Ian Siam, uh, and he's also pretty good. He's got 638 yards in the year, um, averaging 50 yards a game. So that's also really impressive to have two guys back there able to do that. So there was one play in the Riverside game where Jax Miller took a guy half hit, double his size and just put him flat on his back, like a running back versus like a really hefty linebacker. He just leveled him in, in a pass block. Protection. In pass protection. Yeah. And that just made me scared <laughs> to all my being because Isaiah Edwards, that could very well be Isaiah Edwards going up there against him. So that uh, Isaiah Edwards needs to be on the top of his game for this entire game or else they don't really have a, much of a chance. Yeah, Washington needs to create a lot of pressure. And they have to finish because I was personally surprised that it took until midway through the fourth quarter for Washington to get a sack. And... I took that the opinion that that was a lot of that was on the quarterback, you know, on Milsich because he did a great job of running around and getting rid of the ball. He was smart. He didn't hold on to the ball too long, which is something we've seen of Zach Schwartz a lot this year. Actually, is him holding on to the ball too long. Um, but they didn't finish. They were able to get in the backfield, but they weren't able to chase him down. They weren't able to create pressure fast enough, and they have to do that this week. Yeah. You know, they can't just. And, I mean, I don't think they're they're not going to get as much penetration as they did last week because Avonworth's offensive line is above average to good. Yeah, it's decent to above average, yeah. So if they can't do it against Brentwood, how well are they going to do against Avonworth? They're going to have to step up their game. Um, that's really one of the key strengths of Washington. And if they can't rely on that, you know, if they have to start blitzing linebackers or corners, you can't do that against this Avonworth team. They're going to tear you apart. You do not want to blitz corners or do anything. for in, in, You don't want to create any pressure from the secondary in this game because Kairos Thorpe and Theo Newhouse, those are two reasons why you just don't want to put your corners anywhere near the quarterback in this game because those guys are really, really good. You don't want to, you don't want to limit their, their pass coverage. So... I mean, Zamir Robinson definitely has the ability to cover Kairos Thorpe. Kairos Thorpe was a transfer from Central Catholic over the summer, so he's definitely a really good player, uh, and he was injured for most of this year. But he's an even better player on defense, I think, uh, at the linebacker spot. But And then Theo Newhouse, who's a Division One AA wide receiver, who's also really good, and he's kind of more of the primary target over Kairos Thorpe, especially in the red zone. Uh, and he's <laughs> Caleb Jackson versus him. It, it 
I, I really like Caleb Jackson, but he's going to have to play his best game of the year by far. Uh, he's going to have to show much more than he's shown um, or hasn't shown than th- throughout the entire year. Yeah, this is going to be a very intense matchup. You're going to see some big-time players on both sides going up against each other, both on offense and defense. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, one thing I would Off, be- often This is definitely going to be a lower-scoring game, but... Yeah. It's definitely going to be a lower-scoring game for Washeye. So, my goodness. like If there was one game you didn't want to struggle in, it was against a really good defense in Brentwood before you go up an e- against an even better defense. So Zach Swartz needs to be near perfect. Um, they need to establish a running game that's not Samir Robinson because if you take away Samir Robinson in the passing game, you're basically telling Avonworth to put their safeties on the line. And that's it's something you don't want to do. No. So they don't need any extra help on that. On the <laughs> linebackers don't need any help in the run protect in the run. Yeah. Defense. So that so you got to set up either Michael Allen, you got to set up Tayshawn Le- Levy, you got Amari Miller is still isn't back yet from an injury. He was on the sidelines in street clothes against Brentwood, and that's something that's very worrisome because out of the three running backs, he's probably the best one. So you. You want Amari Miller back if he can get back. And I do question a little bit how much of Washington's lack of productivity was game planning, too. Because, you know, you could just looking at Brentwood's defensive line, you know they're not very big, but they, they are fast. You know, that's, that's the trade-off. And it seemed to take Washington a while to figure out that they needed to run the ball up the middle. And once they started doing that, there was a lot more success. So I think if that was something that was a focus for them early on in the game, that could have looked like a very different game. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that justifies only scoring 20 points. And yes, like we've said many times, Brentwood is a really talented defense. You know, I mean, their defense played lights out during that game. Their offense kind of let them down in some ways. But you can't expect much against Washington. So... They're, they're going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to take a lot less penalties. Um, it seems like there's Washington doesn't seem ready for this game, unfortunately. They haven't seemed ready for any of their games, really, in the playoffs. Um, I think that score against Shadyside really put up a lot of red flags, 21-7 to against a yeah. below-average playoff team. So... It's yeah. They're cert- They're definitely gonna have to be players. And just look at the rosters. Like Avonworth, eighty-one players. Wash high, thirty some, thirty-seven. Like that's a huge difference as far as number of guys on team on the team. Number of guys that contribute depth. That's a big deal. Um, there are definitely guys for Wash High that will have to step up. I mentioned Caleb Jackson, another guy that will have to step on on both sides of the ball. Uh, he had a great game against Brentwood. Brent, Brandon Patterson is a really important player in this game because he's playing safety. So you got Robinson and Jackson on both receivers, but that's not the only weapons they got. Like They got the Harper brothers there. Um, they they got the Siam brothers. They got um, Andrew Tedesco at wide receiver. They 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 have a ton of weapons at receiver. So any safety on Wash High is gonna have their hands full, and that's Brandon Patterson. He's only a sophomore. He hasn't seen a lot of playing time, but he has to step up big in this game. And on the offensive side of the ball, we've seen him have a long catch against McGuffey. Um, 
Zamir Robinson and Caleb Jackson are both going to have their hands full in the passing game, so you need that third receiver that can come up big. So Brandon Patterson needs to be, be a really key player in this game for the Prexies. Yeah, and that, that safety position is so vital, especially against a team like Avonworth. You know, is he able to contain the weapons? You know, he doesn't need just, is he able to keep them in front of him? Is he going to give up a long play? That's the question, because those are the plays that are going to change this game. Um, like we've said, I, I'm not expecting this to be a super high scoring, so every yard counts even more than usual. Yeah. And yeah. another um, aspect of Avonworth that we haven't really talked about much is their defensive line, which is pretty impressive. Um, maybe not quite as impressive as Washington's. Um, you guys should already know about Washington's defensive line. It is pretty ridiculous how much talent they have there um but just looking at Avonworth's defensive line this is no no uh squad to be scoffed at is it Nathan no not at all um sacks uh they got Jackson Miller is actually leading the team in sacks at linebacker with eight and a half uh, but after that you've got um Ashton Navali Navaliat with four um uh, Adam McKinney with one. Um, there's a lot, a lot of guys. They don't get a ton of penetration, but they're definitely there to make tackles. Like all these guys have a ton of tackles, but not a lot of sacks. Um, they're definitely good off uh, getting off blocks. Maybe a little bit. A couple of them are a little bit undersized, um, but their starters are still pretty large. Uh, and it's it it's really sound. They have a really sound, good defensive line, but it's just it's not anywhere compared to where their linebackers and safeties are. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to bring a lot of pressure, definitely from like the outside linebacker position because they're really deep there. Uh, you're going to see Kairos Thorpe a lot in the backfield. Um, so <laughs> it's going to be interesting for Wash Eye's offense because Zach Swartz, the last couple weeks, he's had to basically do it all himself. Um, maybe like in a big situation, he'll make a pass to Robinson or Jackson, but like throughout the game he's had to make plays with a scrambling ability and I don't think he'll be able to do it in this game he's gonna have to come up with guys to throw the ball to um so maybe hopefully the wide receivers can create some separation against this team it's gonna be it's a tough ask but um it's gonna that they have to do that to survive I mean you know you get this deep in the playoffs you have to be on your best you know you have to be a finely tuned machine by this point. And it seems like in some ways Washington is playing more sloppy than they have the rest of the year and some of the other games we've watched them. And this is not the time to be finding that out. I don't know, maybe it was a little bit of a maybe it was a little bit of a sign when they kinda let California hang around or they struggled against Brownsville in the first quarter. Like they're they've been really dominant through the year, but there are certain parts of games where it's just like they don't look like it, and then they turn it around and play really well, and then they just have a quarter where they kind of just melt down. Um, they have to be really locked into this game. They have, and I, I'm gonna call out Isaiah Edwards. He, you're a really good player, but when the game is gets kind of out of hand, he melts down, and he can't do that against Avonworth. Yeah, and he's going to have to have the best game of his career against Jax Miller. Yeah, and he can do it, too. He's very talented. Uh, he might be the best player on... I think he might be the best player on Wash High. He's such a he's such a talent at linebacker. He's really good, especially in the blocking game on the offense. 
he he I really like talking to him as an interview, but he, he just needs to keep his cool and stay locked in the game in this one because it's really important that and it, not just him, the entire team just has to be really really locked into this game because he can't let it get out of hand like Brentwood. Yeah, um there's going to be the, these games are very emotional and there's big swings and wild moments um and being able to play with passion but still understand your circumstances and be able to direct that energy in a positive way and not just completely go off the rails is important. And, you know, that's something that he knows, I'm sure. And we'll just have to see whether that translates, that passion translates well to the football field um, or ends up causing problems. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know Avonworth is not going to struggle with that. Like, Avonworth is a definitely a really well-coached team. They're really sound in their discipline and they're they're really good like you can't make mental mistakes against this team at all and the, again we talked about the penalties they're not going to be able to have 20 penalties in this game and win like they're gonna have to have like maybe seven or less so and even that's a lot so yeah for sure yeah and some of those penalties not all of them were pre-snap i mean you had a couple 15 yarders you know so that's gonna hurt you big time i mean you 125 yards of penalties is a lot so that's gonna be interesting to watch hopefully they can clean it up washington hasn't been that bad um you know we've watched a lot of their games they're they usually don't get 20 penalties but they're also more suspect to penalties than most I would say. Yeah, well, re- remember that Wash I McGuffey game? It was McGuffey that got all those penalties, I believe. Uh, and Wash High was the discipline team. Um, so hopefully that's the case going up against Avonworth because, uh, again, we, we cover Wash High more than we cover Avonworth. They're one of our local teams. We're going to be a little bit more favored to them winning because we, maybe we want to go see them continue playing. So um, we're. We, not saying we're going to root for them, but we're going to root for them a little bit. <laughs> so, I know we're supposed to be fair and impartial, but we we got your back, Washai. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, if we cover any team for a couple more than a few games, it's going to, you know, we're going to have a little more of an attraction to them than maybe we should as people that are supposed to be completely impartial. All right, so let's make our predictions here. You can go first for this game well i feel like i just um put some sugar in the mouths of the washington supporters and now i'm about to ruin it by picking avonworth for this game and that probably shouldn't be too much of a surprise because of everything we've been talking about um you know washington has had they do they continue to have incredible athletes and they've been the highest level team that we've covered closely this year they've been a ton of fun to watch but Avonworth is not scared of Washington's athletes like some of these other teams. They have the athletes to match. And, and more athletes to match, honestly. Very possibly. And with Miller out and the the amount of penalties we saw last week, and just the there's been kind of a feeling like Washington's been a little bit desperate. You know? Like that game came right down to the wire. They had to make a lot of plays to stay in the game. 
And I think coming into the playoffs, you wouldn't have imagined that. You know, you would have imagined Brentwood to be a fairly easy win for Washington. Um, they haven't been playing fully up to their expectation, and that's okay. You know, these are high school students. You know, it's it's a very difficult position to be in. You know, I'm not criticizing them, but it's really hard. And I think Avonworth has just shown a little more consistency. And that's what you need to win in these games. So I'm I'm going to stick with Avonworth for this one. It pains me to say it, but I think the Antelopes come out with a win. Yeah, and just in going into my pick, um, just about every other game like this I'd probably pick you know, just like you. But something about my gut says that Zach Swartz is going to come in here and just dominate Avonworth's defense. Something about me says that there's something on in the Washington coaches. There's something in the Washington and Zamir Robinson coming out and playing a really tough team. They haven't really played a team that's going to equal them all year. So are we so just looking at this team, Brentwood was not their equal. Like Washai was the better team and Washai kind of played down to them a little bit. This team is as equal or if not better. So there's something to me that says that they're going to come into this game with a chip on their shoulder, they're going to come in with something to prove, and that's something that they haven't had all year. It's true. Very so, true. With, even with Dylan Asprey out, if Dylan Asprey was in this game, man, it would be so much fun. It would be so much fun. But even with him out, I'm going to take the Prexies in this one. <laughs> it's going to be a great game no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, really looking forward to it. So... Let's move into some more picks. Uh, we're really excited about this one at Norwin High School. We're going to circle back around to this one in Amigo Orfo and uh, talk more about that one. But let's talk about the other games here first. Uh, Richland versus Bishop McDevitt. I got Richland in this one. Yeah, Rich. I mean, yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Richland coming off of a truly impressive win last week, you know, a shocker against Ligonier Valley. It just in the way that they beat them. And I don't think Bishop McDevitt is as good as Ligonier Valley. Um, that's No, just, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no, they're not. And yeah, Richland wins. <laughs> All right. We don't have to go into too much detail. Um, probably no one that listens to this podcast has any relation to either of these teams. If you do and want to hear more about it, we're sorry. Southern Columbia versus Upper Dauphin. The real question is, can Upper Dauphin score a point? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Southern Columbia. Let's go through their scores. Um, 75-0 over Tonada, Tawanda. And then next week, they they beat North Penn Mansfield 42-0. And last week, they beat Mount Carmel, who I would remind the audience is the number 10 team in the state, 49-0. So Southern Columbia has not allowed a point yet in the playoffs. And they have scored... 42 points or higher in all of their matchups. No. The this, answer is no. It's Southern Columbia. <laughs> I think we're both in agreement there. Yeah. All right. I mean, what wonders the number one overall recruit in the country can do for your team? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or or the number, what, 10 in in the state and, like, the fourth in the state, too. They got some good linebackers oh, up yeah. there, too. Uh, so that would be... It would be a lot of fun if Washington was able to play them. I know Washington would definitely lose, but it would just be a lot of fun to go. 
Uh, and then we got, and then the team they're probably going to have to beat to get there if they beat Avonworth. Wilmington versus Ridgeway Johnston, Johnstone, something like that. They, it's Ridgeway unofficially. Um, I got Wilmington in this one. Yeah, Wilmington's a great team, and we've we talked about last week how um, Washington often comes out of the Whippeal Championships looking at Wilmington, and it hasn't worked out for them well the last couple years. Um, Wilmington's very strong. Uh, we talked about their win over Chestnut Ridge, 34-20, to a uh, solid win. Um, Chestnut Ridge, as Nathan said, is probably a better team than Ridgeway, but in a similar sense to your thoughts on Washington, I've got a good feeling about Ridgeway this week. Um, I think we're going to see a bit of a shakeup um, to whoever wins the Washington-Avonworth match. All right. And then let's, speaking of that Washington-Avonworth match, let's move into our new segment here, Amigo or Foe. Um, you can explain what this is about. Uh, I think about it in every other podcast. I think we'll move Amigo or Foe to right after we do the preview and then to predictions. But uh, we'll just stick around with this one. <laughs> it's kind of it's just kind of awkward to like preview the game and then make a prediction and then just circle back. back. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, when we do Amigo Rafo next, hopefully next week. Um, <laughs> so you want to explain the origin of Amigo Rafo? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to class one morning, and I walk past this poster, um, and I don't even, it was for some, I don't even remember the full context. It was for some, something like about a... artificial intelligence and medicine, and one of the, one of the um, campus medical student organizations or something on campus was hosting this discussion about whether AI should be trusted in um, in medicine. And for some reason, they have a picture of, like, a cyborg dude, and it says, artificial intelligence or medicine, amigo or foe. And I was so struck by, also, sorry for the noise. Yeah. I just can't. Today, it's just not a good day for noise. I but think it, we had like a ambulance come by earlier, and car now alarm, and car tractor. alarm, and now we get now we get the lawnmower. So it's a great day. But let's let's continue Anyways, with amigo. amigo or foe. And so I was just I thought that the wording that they used was hilarious. Like amigo or foe. That's just it's a wonderful thing to say. It's catchy. So we are going to do a new segment in the spirit of amigo or foe, where we talk about a couple interesting aspects of our featured game. And whether it is going to be helpful Bene, yeah. or hurtful to the team. Whether it be it'll be beneficial or a hindrance to exactly. the game. So uh, the first amigo orfo um, ism, I don't know what, what we should call each of these elements. Um, the first element of amigo orfo, the wash high rushing game, amigo orfo. I think this is pretty obvious. After last week, um, I'm gonna say foe on this one pretty definitively uh even though they were able to get stuff going down the middle in the fourth quarter that was almost entirely in my opinion because of brentwood's lack of meat as you say on the off defensive line um if you're able to use zamir robinson as a power back and get like seven yards average per carry you know that there's something up with the other team because he's not really built for that and neither is wash high yeah, um, I'm gonna go with foe as well. I, this is a if Amari Miller was playing, I might lean more toward Amigo because Amari Miller's really good, but he's injured and he's. I don't. I don't think you just come off an injury like that and start playing really well. Um, if so, he's there at all. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, they they have to establish something. They have to get Tayshawn Levy working and getting positive yards. Tayshawn Levy gets stopped a lot behind the yard of scrimmage, and that's probably why they put Robinson in there late in the game. Um, Michael Allen was seldom used against Brentwood. Uh, Tayshawn Levy was a was used a lot more, but I, I liked Michael Allen when he played against California. He played really well, and they just kind of abandoned it. So maybe he's just really inexperienced. So I'm gonna go with Foe because I don't see I don't see a guy there that'll get you three or four yards consistently besides Amir Robinson. And you're not gonna use Amir Robinson here. No, he he needs to be on the outside. All right, so a noon kickoff time, amigo or Foe. <laughs> I think we're going all three for foe here, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, this is difficult. I mean, it's definitely a lot more, it would be a lot more of a foe if this was college and you're traveling time zones and now it feels like you're waking up early and stuff like that. But I guess just from my experience with high school football, teams that aren't used to playing at noon on a Saturday don't play well at noon on a Saturday. Um, well, neither of these teams are experienced to play noon on a exactly. Saturday. Exactly. So I think this could cause a little bit of havoc for both teams. Um, just a little bit of background, Harrisburg, they play their home games at noon on Saturdays. Um, and I guarantee there's a little bit more of a home field advantage for Harrisburg in 6A um, than most teams because it's just very strange. It doesn't feel right. You know, your body isn't in the right pattern. You know, you have your routine for game day and it's messed up and it's this whole mental thing. So I'm going to go with foe, but this is an equal opportunity foe. Uh, I think it's going to mess with both teams a little bit. I don't think you're really going to see it show up in the game at all, but it is interesting to say the least. I'm going to say this is Amigo for Wash High. Because I think when you have a new game and you have to get up early, I think it forces you to be a little bit more prepared. Um, Obviously, it's more of a body clock, so some of the more... like it'll it'll kind of equalize out both teams a little bit, and that's favorable for Wash High. Um, it forces you to get ready earlier, and it kind of takes you out of your own head throughout the day. So like Wash High, like they're building themselves, like like the players kind of like build themselves up from the morning to the night and get get more, you know, into it. And I think when you have a noon game, it that kind of it that element kind of gets taken away, and you're just forced to go to work right away so i'm gonna go amigo here yeah and i could definitely see that as well but again this isn't really a huge issue but it's fun to talk about and lastly uh, something that i think is going to be more interesting and definitely more of an issue for this game amigo or foe the weather report um as of now and we all know that weather in this part of pennsylvania changes all the time so who knows how this will last but right now we're looking at high winds and light rain amigo or foe and we'll you know we'll just say specifically for washington they're the team we're most familiar with um you can go first on this one i'm still deciding it this is difficult um as far as passing this could really hurt park penrod's passing especially for a quarterback that you know he's good but he's not super accurate all the time or he's He's not unbelievably great. And Zach Swartz is not that much of a passing quarterback at all. So if you might, if you kind of force Park Penrod to 
participate more in the in the rushing game? Does that help or hurt Wash I, I think that would definitely help Wash I. Um, so you're looking at Amigo here, at least. I mean, kicking-wise, <laughs> if you force Athenworth to, you know, go for two because of the high wins, like... That would definitely... I think that could definitely help Washington. Um, I don't think Washington's going to be kicking PATs anyways this game, so it's not really going to hurt them at all. But at the same time, we've seen, we've already said that Wash High's running game is a foe. And if the high winds are taking away some of their passing game, that's going to be a problem. So I'm going to go with overall, it's a foe um, for Washington, but it's also going to help them a little bit in special teams. We'll just have to see. Yeah, I think I'm going to go the same way. I think it's, I think this will, this is not good for Wash High. So <laughs> having, yeah, high winds is not going to help out Zach Swartz at all because, again, he's not that strong of a, like, he's an all right passer, but he doesn't do it a lot. So, and I think overall, Avonworth or yeah, Avonworth can rely much more on their run game than Washington can in this game. Oh yes. <laughs> so I don't, you know, while Park and Schwartz might be affected equally by this, um, I think how that ends up affecting the score as a whole is not equal because Avonworth can make that adjustment. They can run the ball. Um, at least they should be able to run the ball well in this game. So. All right, so that'll finish up Amigo or Foe. Uh, tell us what you think of the new segment. I think it's cool, but you might not. <laughs> right now, it's kind of in the work, so <laughs> we'll see what we'll see how We're it. We're gonna have turns to make out. some adjustments. Yeah, maybe. Um, Amigo or Foe is good though. Yeah. Okay, so let's move into plugs. But first, before we move into plugs, um, just an idea I was kicking around. Uh, I asked, I asked Nick to, Nick about this, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, I guess if you want to." So, um, we were thinking about setting up a Patreon, maybe, um, you know, just like a dollar a month or like, if you really like the show, like $5 or something like, you know, something small, but like something that'll like pay for gas for us to go to games, like not something like to support us (laughs) in living, just like, just like a little bit of like, we're obviously we're not experts. So it's like, we're not going to charge you like 20 bucks a month or something yeah, <laughs> something like, ridiculous the the level of content you get from us is not fantastic we're doing our best um and honestly like like nathan said this really just comes down to gas i mean it's not it's a fair financial contribution from my end as the person that's driving going like an yeah. hour and a half for all these games in pittsburgh and stuff it's doable i'm not like especially struggling monetarily but at the same time i'm a college student so if you want to pitch in a couple bucks, it's fine. We appreciate yeah. it. Um, like Nathan said, we're not even sure if we're going to do this. It's just an idea. If you think that's stupid, I could see that side of the argument too. Because in the end, we do this because we enjoy it. But if you want to help us out, then maybe we'll have that as an option. Um, we'll never expect anything from you guys. Um, we're always glad for your support just as listeners. And that is really the best way that you can support our podcast is by listening to us and talking to us about it, making comments, um, even getting into arguments or explaining why you disagree. Those are great ways to support the podcast. But who knows? Maybe there are some of you out there that are a lot more enthusiastic about it than we realize. Yeah, like we were just like kicking around some awards ideas. Like I had the idea of like doing like a initial reaction podcast from like the car or something. Like that would be kind of fun. 
um, yeah. just for like Patreon supporters or something, or I don't know, like Amigo or Faux t-shirts or something like that. Just like you know, something fun that that will that will be able to like reward you or something for helping support us. Um, yeah, and I think at the very least we could do you know, maybe some off-season content or an hour of extra content each week. We could record an extra episode for you guys. Not sure what we'd record about, but... Like, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so if that's something that you guys are interested in, let us know. If you if it's something you think is not a good idea, let us know anyways. Yeah, because... Yeah. And, I mean, we're probably, like, the only people that really um are into like bentworth for football or like you know so it's like it's nice to get kind of that contribution a little bit so it, it's not like bentworth or like you know jefferson morgan are getting extremely like you know covered <laughs> yeah especially for the smaller teams but uh, as 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 we grow our listener base and as we grow our podcast i think i think it'll all come together here so. hopefully and yeah, that would be really nice. But again, don't feel any obligation, and this isn't even something that we're sure about yet. Yeah. So. But we try to make it worth it for you guys. Hopefully, it's already worth it. If it's not, we'll do better. Okay. So let's get into plugs. <laughs> Plug uh, yourself. Okay. You can follow me at Nathan Grello on Twitter. You can follow Brock Owens at Brock Owens sixteen. You can follow Caleb Yager, who's our gimbal guy, <laughs> and he is he he has good. been an immense help these last couple weeks in making those. You know, he doesn't. I edit the videos, but he films them um, behind the sidelines. He's the guy with the big funny selfie stick. Um, it's not a selfie stick. It's not a selfie stick. It's a very, very expensive selfie stick. <laughs> um, but he's been the guy that's been getting all that raw footage of players and, and stuff, and I, I've been able to edit them together and it, make a cool recap video. And, uh, if again, if you like that stuff, you know, tell us, because uh, it, it's definitely something new we're trying out for the playoffs, and uh, I think we've gotten a lot of good positive responses from it. Um the West Green one just blew up, and it was kind of funny. It was, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you can check out all those videos on my YouTube channel, the Starting Bench Warmer. I was thinking of making a podcast only YouTube channel soon, but uh, that's still kind of in the works. But um, yeah, just subscribe to the Starting Bench Warmer. I'm almost to a thousand subscribers, Nick. I'm very proud of myself. You should be. I'm at like nine hundred and eighteen. I'm real close. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to dye my hair a weird color soon. <laughs> so, yeah, so go subscribe to that. Um, go like us on Facebook uh, at the Backyard Football Podcast. You can subscribe to us on CastBox and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We got a four-star review on Apple Podcasts. And I was like, who leaves four-star reviewers? You either give us one star or you give us five stars. You can't just give us four stars and not tell us why. Like we we appreciate we appreciate the <laughs> we appreciate four. We'll, listen, we'll take four stars, but uh, <laughs> we appreciate just a little sensibility. Confusing. Yes, you're not you're you're not a victim of your emotions. You're you're a reasonable person who leaves a four star review, and we applaud you for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, at least it's not one. Like we'll take it. We, I take two, honestly, with the type of content we make. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, go get, leave us a review because, um, just about everybody begs for that anyway. And it's nice to hear what you guys think. Um, am I missing it? Oh yeah. I always forget this. You can go read our articles at westernpafootball.com or pafootballnews.com. 
or maybe the Saturday Daily Times. Oh, yes. We're so... I should update our weekend plans on the podcast. So we're going up on Friday to the State College Central Catholic game um, because, oh, of yeah. course, the Central Catholic is in the area and we're State High grad or State High is in the area and we're grads from State High and Central Catholic's always in the area. And yeah, they're, there you go. And they're, and they're playing State High up at North Allegheny, so which is kind of like the mecca of Whitfield football. You know, beside Woodland High School, obviously, you know, Woodland Stadium or... The, the Wolverina. The Wolverina, yeah. Like, that's obviously older, but, like, North Allegheny has, like, you know, the practice facility, and, like, yeah. it's huge, and they got the drones, and, like, it's, it's like, you know, the place. It's a big deal. Yeah, so sure. so it'll be exciting to go up there for the first time. Um, it'll be exciting to see State High play there, and then also I will be covering the game for the Center Daily Times, which is really exciting. <laughs> My first newspaper, actual newspaper job. Sorry, Billy, but... <laughs> print in print. print yes in print so that'll be very exciting yeah and then the next day um we will be faithfully at the washington versus avonworth game and that's probably what you guys are all interested in you're probably not all that interested in state high but uh thankfully we're also interested in washington avonworth it's going to be two amazing games in two amazing days yeah definitely um you know actually you know what we had this big plan last week of going to RMU hockey game after <laughs> after um, the game and then going to Boston Market in between, but I think we can just go to Boston Market before the <laughs> before the Wash Eye game. Yeah, we could. Exactly. I'm a huge Boston Market fan, and I, I had to look up on their website and be like, you know what, I actually really want some nice, good rotisserie chicken and mashed potatoes, so I had to look up where the heck... Boston Market was in Pittsburgh, and I was like, oh, it's right on the way from Norwin High School to Robert Morris Ice Arena, so that works, but I guess it's kind of on the way between North Allegheny and Norwin High School, so yeah, we'll see. All right, this has been the Backyard Football Podcast. Sorry to bother you with talking about Boston Market, but <laughs> it's a great restaurant, <laughs> I just want to say. Um yeah, thanks for listening. You know, if you're listening this far, obviously you enjoy hearing us talk about random things. Um, I doubt anyone's still listening, but this has been the Backyard Football Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Nick. And thank you for listening again. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Backyard Football Podcast. With Nathan Grella, Nick Househalter, and Brock Owens. The Backyard Football Podcast is a member of the Western PA Football Podcast Network. For more information, follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on CastBox and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and have a great day. Still here? It's over. Go home.
Go.